filibuster, filibuster freestyle. Gentlemen, much to his chagrin, I have already put the theme song into the pipeline, but you're going to like this, Jeremy Johnson. Kitchen Quarantine Part 5 is episode 333 in the filibuster freestyle galaxy of stars. So the man who was on episode 299 and 300 gets to have the triple threes as well. Jeremy, how are you, my friend? I'm pretty good. You know, that, that brings up that feeling of relativity that we're all experiencing where um, time seems to stand still yet is just flying by. Yeah, Hundred percent. I was uh, emailing with a guy that I used to work with, and you know I've recently lo- relocated and changed jobs. And so when I say used to work with, I worked with a guy like three months ago, <laughs> and uh, it couldn't feel like more time has passed than actually it does right now. And uh, part of that's because I can't leave my house really. And I kind of came up with this theory that we're all on house arrest, kind of. You know, like we're all getting a taste of what it's like to be a white collar, wealthy criminal whose lawyer gets you out of jail time. We just get a little bit more walking around time and the government doesn't really care too much if we stray too far away from our block um, on any given day. You know, said wealthy criminal has probably got an estate. Correct. And um, many of us are sheltering in apartments and condos, but yes, exactly. I mean, I'd love to do, you know, afternoon walks around the garden and get tired of that after, but, um, I've been calling it yard time, you know, when we, when we take (laughs) my daughter out for some exercise and just some stimulation, uh, you know, we're going out for yard time and, uh, you know, we get about, you know, an hour to three hours a day out of the house. And, um, today, and when we look back might be, the day that the Los Angeles social distancing started to crack. Oh, yeah? Because it is hot. Oh. And I am seeing people um, in small groups, but, um, you know, groups of two, three, and four all over the place. People are outside. And uh, my neighbors have this strange outdoor space that doesn't really make sense that they've, for the first time ever, there's like a group of them in, and um, they're drinking White Claws and chatting, and um, I'm sure that uh, everybody's going to be fine, but uh, it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, well, luckily here in Boston, it's still cold, so, uh, you know, people are still inside, but uh, at some point it'll get nice, and when it does, we'll probably be dealing with that same thing. Um, NFL draft, we got some, not live sports, but live sports news happening finally, Um, which is good because anytime a documentary about a basketball team from 20 years ago is the number one show in America. You know we're starving for sports. Any hot takes off the dome for the NFL draft thus far? None. None. I'm shocked that there weren't more technical uh, difficulties, but they did run through it a few times, and they do have a lot of people uh, that you know work in IT for the league, so I suppose it shouldn't be that shocking, but seems like no one can put up a, a live remote event without some sort of uh, huge snafu. Yes. And that includes, you know, Apple and Microsoft and other big tech companies. So I'm kind of shocked that the NFL and all their bumbling bumbledness 
didn't uh, screw something up. But I, I did. Uh, I did see a little bit, and I enjoyed seeing the uh, players with their families instead of in this awkward kind of green room audience. Yeah, made for TV environment. I'd much rather them do that. I do wish there were more um, like studio apartment um, shots. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Well, what I find funny is the the thing, and again, a lot of this is not planned. We'll get into kitchen quarantine in a minute, everybody. Settle down. You got nowhere to go, literally. Um, the bottom line is the Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, he's, you know, he's in Metro Phoenix. Everybody's like, Cliff Kingsbury, man, he's like Scarface. He's got crazy drug dealer money. The Phoenix McMansion market is a lot different than like the Los Angeles one. So like sure. three million bucks goes pretty gosh darn far in Phoenix. And meanwhile in LA, you're probably, you know, renting to own, right? So I mean, it's all relative, everybody. Yes, Cliff's got an awesome house, but you know, when you're in Glendale, it's a little different than if you're on on the beach in Santa Monica. That's all I'm saying. It's all relative. Yeah, I mean, if we're gonna divert to this far anyway. That goes right into my frustration with this $15 an hour minimum wage thing that keeps being discussed by our most progressive of politicians. It's nonsense. The fact that we don't have a minimum wage that's tied to cost of living metrics that gets adjusted every year based on where you live shows us exactly how stupid we are as a country. Uh, Other countries, if you live in a city, you get a higher minimum wage. Yeah. Wage. And um, if you live out in a rural area, you earn less money for the same um, entry-level job, but your quality of life is similar. Very similar. And yeah. Makes um, sense. it's so short-sighted because you, you, you amass all this political capital to finally potentially get something passed. And then it's like low tide. The, the wave goes back out and then it never gets addressed again for like 20 years and the thing doesn't budge. So it won't be enough in the beginning, and it certainly won't be enough in 20 years. It's got to be tied to inflation and on a constantly renewing, reviewable status. Yeah, but that's never going to not never going to happen. But clearly, that's not going to happen right now, which sucks. It's not going to happen this year. No, exactly. 2020 won't be the year that gets done. So you mentioned stupidity um, tied to our minimum wage. How about tied to injecting Clorox into our veins? Real quick. Yeah, you know that's our that's our useless our useless president. There's never been a president with this uh, useless of a bunch of words thrown together every day. The 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 masquerade of um, trying to be impartial when you have somebody that's this um, incompetent, where the New York Times is sending out um, notifications notifications that say uh, the president has suggested um, injecting or ingesting um, disinfectants as a way to clear COVID, which many experts say is um, is a really bad idea, just implying that there's like this false um, this false correlation between like there being two sides to whether they're an argument that even bleach could be a positive <laughs> thing to be injected into your body just shows you how far this quote-unquote um, you know, liberal media will do backflips to appear impartial to this abusive uh, husband that Trump plays to them. It just, uh, it's, it's just madness. It's time, long past time, for people to stop pulling punches and stop pretending that this is acceptable. Um, it's not. But do and you? It's th- not helping. It's like a fake doctor 
um, on TV every day giving people bad advice off the cuff based on things that he saw in like infomercials. And people are, you know, people died from that, that last med, med that he was pushing. Yes. People literally died. And oh, even better, people who needed it died because they couldn't get it because there were shortages of it because they were trying to get it to treat this other, to do tests and also like off the cuff, like non, like regulated, no control, non-scientific tests for people that were sick with this. So the best kind of tests. So now you got people who really need it because it's already been effectively, uh, you know, determined to be a medicine for an ailment and they can't get it because this guy just is like this muttering uncle from, you know, his living room watching Fox News all day and reading like fringe blogs. And then he gets in front of a TV camera and then everybody echoes what he says all day. Yeah, exactly. It's madness. So do, it's you, think, madness. So do you think the bleach will work though or no? <laughs> Well, I mean, I do have a little bit stockpiled in mind in case we get sick, Kit. The good news and, about uh, the bleach is the bleach actually will just kill people, so they don't have to worry about coronavirus anymore because they'll just be dead. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. If you if you drink bleach when you have coronavirus, you won't know if it works or not. Yeah, exactly. But we will. All right, so yeah. let's, let's play a game to get us into the eating mode. The man cook good. Week five, kitchen quarantine. So we talked a little bit about this last week. And we talked about places listening and maybe tying them to picking a place to either emulate in our own cooking or maybe get some takeout from. Maybe one day we can actually go to restaurants again and sit down and have a meal. So I'm going to pick a couple places internationally. Uh, Leicester, England, no thanks. Don't need any food there. A place in Belgium listened this week. It's spelled I-X-E-L-L-E-S. Wow. Michelle? Michelle, maybe. Anyway... Nothing wrong with maybe some Belgian cuisine. San Fernando, Argentina checks in again. I'd love to maybe do some Argentinian eating this week. A place called Versmold, Germany. Uh, a place called Willarton, Canada. I think I'll skip that. Barcelona, yep, we're in. Iberian ham. I'll see what I can do. Uh, London, no thanks. Dublin, no thanks. France, obviously. Paris, France. You know, we had French bread yesterday. We're good there. Um, I think that you're you're really missing out on the United Kingdom's culinary offerings. They've got some of the best um, Indian food available on the planet. That's They've got fair. great Middle Eastern food, and um, and you know since Jamie Oliver and Gordon Ramsay got on the scene, they have really gone um, uh, very enthusiastically towards this nouveau gourmet gastro pub. Um, reinvented local cuisine movement that most of our country has and it's actually got some there's some great food coming out of england so back off sir well i guess so however all their stuff is either co-opted from cultures they imperialized and or from gordon ramsay so it took them like a thousand years to get their shit together I'm just saying it's not my fault that I didn't think the food was good. But that's why you're on. That's why you're on. Because you are right. the guy. So, I had one lady this week, but, you know, your Instagram comments are popping off, like, at an all-time high. And the quality of your work, obviously, and the quantity of your work's at an all-time high. But uh, some lady was like, follow this dude. His food makes you drool. Who was that? Was that, like, uh, Galaxy 7? Like, do you remember who that was? That was a great, that was a great compliment. Oh, with the picture collage? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was Hannah, or underscore Hannah, or um, I'm not 
I'm not sure um, what her exact uh, tag is, but um, yeah, really nice of Hannah to do that. Um, I know her a little bit in the real world, but I haven't seen her in years, and um, and that was out of nowhere. Awesome. And a lot of her friends jumped in and started uh, following the the Instagram account and immediately interacting. And um, Hannah's a, a great girl, and she's she's very good at her job. She works in the film film business too. Very cool. And um, she's young. She's you know definitely a millennial, and um, clearly into a stage in her life to be um, cooking her own food. And uh, you know she's got like thousands of followers because she's right in the demo. And uh, yeah, she added a dozen to me with one little shout out. So God bless her. We- Hannah, thanks a lot. That's awesome. Man Cook Good in the house. Follow it on Instagram, at Man Cook Good. So, JJ, we're talking snacks. I'll start us off. Um, so we got kind of this – I'm going to go to my crack research team really quickly. It's basically like, a, like an oven that does air frying. Yeah. Um, what do we call it? Toaster oven? It's a toaster oven, but it's like – to me, growing up with a toaster oven we had in my house as a kid in the 80s, this is like George Jetson's toaster, toaster oven. Is, so it's a, a it's, fancy toaster oven. Yeah, it's got a little convection oven appeal to it. I mean, it, it's, a wedding, yes. it's a wedding present, right? So, like, we didn't... Can buy. we talk about air frying? Can I... Yeah, I start there. Yeah, start there, yeah. Air frying is basically just convection oven with, like, spraying some oil on your dish, ah. whatever you're making, and then putting it in a dry oven with a fan well that's what we're doing the fan is optional yeah like i was doing that when i first started cooking and i was living on my own and thinking that i was actually good at it which of course you know i wasn't yeah i was thinking i'm a genius because i'll take oven uh you know baked fries like or idas and i'll spray them with a little pam and then i'll put them in the oven and then they get a little bit of, they're not I like oven baked fries always kind of leave you wishing that they were just a little bit better. Yeah. And that was like my, that was one of my first kitchen hacks. And then, you know, 20 years later, you get this, this air fryer device that is going to take up counter space and cabinet space and kitchens all over the United States. And I look up the technology. I'm like, well, that's, but that's just a, okay. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's it's what? an oven that you use oil. Yeah. And that's why we threw it, threw it on the old registry. You know, someone else can get it for you, you know? So, yeah. so that was you cool. space for it. Yeah. Get all the gadgets. So we're using that. And uh, one of the things that I've enjoyed doing is, you know, we go to Trader Joe's. We get some sourdough bread. We got a couple of different kinds of cheeses. We got some, a really good spice rack. So I go like a little oregano, maybe some Swiss and some sourdough bread. I put it in the old convection oven. I toast the crap out of it. It's a great snack. Um, That's amazing. It's really fantastic, and it's actually helping, not completely eradicating my copious amount of Triscuits that I ingest on a daily basis. So, you know, anything we can do to save the Triscuits just in case, the convection oven, the sourdough bread, the cheese, the oregano, sweet, sweet baby Jesus, it's, it's great. It's my, that's my quarantine snack, uh, top, top of the list right now for me. I'll start there. There's probably more. What do you got, though? Give me, give me something delicious. The toaster ovens are great uh tool in the kitchen especially as the weather starts to get warmer um i use it a lot i make meat in it i make fish i make side dishes sometimes it's just nice to have uh, a heating uh vessel that's at a different temp than the oven yeah um 
crisping things, getting, you know, small dishes uh, quickly done. Um, toaster oven's a great tool for snacks. Um, here's a snack for the toaster oven. You take a can of chickpeas. Um, did I do crispy chickpeas already? No. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. All right. Do a can of chickpeas, and you really got to dry them out. So you rinse them. Um, rinse them out. Get all that aquafaba off, the bean juice. Um, <laughs> bean juice. And aquafaba bean juice and fig pan name of the week there you go and then you you make sure that those beans are dry so you you pour them out onto the countertop with paper towels underneath them or into a sheet pan a rimmed sheet pan with paper towels in it and you you let them sit for a little while and you blot them with paper towels on top and you get them dry because if you don't get them dry and there's any water or moisture on it at all then it steams and you don't get the crispy so once they're dry, you toss them with a little olive oil and salt. And if you if you want, you know, reach into your fridge and find that diced garlic that um, everyone's got a jar. Uh, maybe put a little bit in that or dice some fresh garlic in there. Although if I was doing fresh garlic, I'd wait a little bit because it might burn. And you throw it in the toaster oven on like 350 for like half hour, 45 minutes. Um, the low temp will dehydrate the bean and it'll get really nice and crispy. And then you take it out and you let it uh, cool a little bit and you could put it on salads or you could just eat it, you know, like it's like chips or something. Huh. Um, and they're fantastic. You can then make your own barbecue chip mix and toss mm. the still warm chickpeas in that. And now you've got like barbecue uh, crispy chickpeas. It's like one part paprika, one part onion powder, one part brown sugar. We'll call these all teaspoons. And then a half part garlic powder, half part salt, half teaspoon, half teaspoon, and then just a little bit of chili powder. And mix that all up in a bowl by itself or a spice blender. And then you toss the chickpeas in that, and you've got yourself barbecue chip-flavored chickpeas. Wow. You think about barbecue sauce, it's basically like a smoky flavor, a sweet flavor, onion and garlic flavor. Um, it's usually achieved with like ketchup, molasses, some vinegar, um, and then you know, depending on the sauce, a little bit of spice. And so you can you can reach that kind of what you're used to for that barbecue chip flavor by touching on those flavor notes with powdered spices. Nice way to do it too, right? You know, and it's it's healthy, and it's got a bunch of protein on it. And if you don't put the barbecue stuff on it, it's a great way to turn some lettuce into like an actual meal. You know, <laughs> absolutely. Hey, what about um? I've seen you making some kind of. I think you're making different kinds of chips. Like, I'm not saying you're using plantains or not, but I feel like you're making your own homemade chips. We may have covered it a little bit, but I feel like you've been making some this week too. Um, I'm a big plantains guy. I don't make my own. I'd like to. Um, you made chips earlier this week, right? It seems to yeah, be a, a yeah, staple I of the toddler. I make chips actually in the toaster oven quite a bit. Um, you know, you slice up the potato uh, very thin. If you've got a mandolin and you're, and you're safe, um, use it. Don't cut off the tip of your finger and blame me because that thing is dangerous. Um, I do it with a knife. I cut off a nice little strip on the bottom so I have a flat surface, and then I cr cut across the um, potato or sweet potato as thin as I can. Um, 
I cut it all up and then you put it on a, in a single layer on a sheet pan that's got a little bit of olive oil splashed on it. And then you um, splash a little bit of olive oil on those chips and a nice pinch of salt. And you put it in an oven or a toaster oven, uh, preheated at a 400. And, you know, between 10 and 15 minutes later, you've got yourself these really nice chips. And the ones that are cut a little too thick, they've got this really delicious, like, they, they're starting to brown just a little bit. Mm, yeah. But the inside is this nice little pillow of deliciousness. Huh. Um, the, the ones that if you really want to go next level, you check it every, you know, after five minutes, you start checking it. And the thinnest ones that are around the edge tend to crisp and brown first. So you can pull that out, take those ones off and then put it back in. And you keep repeating that process every few minutes until all of the potatoes are that perfect shade of brown Mm. and cook through. Um, or you do what um, we do, and you just you get a mixed bag, and each one is delicious for its own reason. Um, it's kind of a, it's a dish called potatoes Anna, a French dish called potato, potatoes Anna. That the potatoes tend to be a little bit thicker, like an eighth of an inch, and they're they're in, they're layered, so the tops of them are crispy and the bottoms are pillowy, delicious. Mm. And um, that was one of my favorite things to do, that my mother would make when I was younger. So as I started playing with that, I landed on chips. And it's a nice way to stretch out a potato for more than just, you know, one person's food. Mm-hmm. And it makes, you know, a bowl of tuna fish or a salad or some relatively pedestrian lunch feel a little bit more um, enjoyable. Yeah. Absolutely. And it take about 10 or 15 minutes. And, you know, sweet potatoes tend to blacken a little bit. So you got to be a little careful with that, the sugar in them. Yep. It, um, and the starch, they don't really uh, bake great at that thinness so you do have to be a little bit more aware of sweet potatoes but you get the same thing and we love them so that sounds great number one number two pillowy delicious is another fake band name of the week we're just dropping them like it's going on a style tonight i like that so let me speak in speaking of sweets sweet potatoes let me transition any dessert ideas or like brown you know whether it's brownies or whatever but i'm saying like you know, we had a nice drop-off on Easter Sunday. One of Cindy's friends baked a bunch of nice brownies for some of her friends, dropped them off, social distancing, of course. Um, and they were great to have in the fridge for a few days, you know. or you know. But anything good for, in terms of, like, the, the makeshift and or just kind of, like, dessert hacks that you've been dealing with or seeing out there? Yeah. I got a few. You know, I, I'm more of a savory guy. But sure. But I've become a... Um, I become a little bit more dessert oriented as um, time's gone on. And I've got a few that I go to that I'm a big fan of. Um, I've got one where you, and this is, you know, I'm going a little Rachel Ray here. We're going to the the standard supermarket, but you go and buy um, uh, biscuits, uh, Pillsbury biscuits that come out of the the pop, you know, the little, the little can, the pops. Absolutely. And, Get a, uh, a neutral oil that you can fry in. Uh, peanut oil will be the best going down a vegetable or canola oil, something that's got a high smoke point. And you take out the uh, biscuits and you cut them into uh, quarters. And you fry that biscuit dough in your oil. Yep. And then when you pull them out, they puff up. They're like beignets, basically. Oh, um, they puff up in the um, in the hot oil. All the the fat inside the dough steams up, and it creates this nice, puffy, delicious beignet. 
and then you toss it in a mix of powdered sugar and cinnamon. Mm. And if you want to really get after it, you put a bunch of jam, like fruit jam, in a Ziploc bag. You cut off the corner and you poke a hole in the in the little hot beignet when it comes out, and you squeeze like a pastry bag some of that jam into that hole. And now you've got some that's a little bit closer to a, a jelly filled munchkin that we grew up eating from Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, yeah. But I mean, a hot donut is something special. Oh yeah. And um, it does you, like the hotter and fresher the donut, the less attention you have to pay to towards like artisanal ingredients. You know. Yes. Um, this thing is a huge hit. If you're ever allowed to have a dinner party again, and you you know you get forced doing a you know something you're trying to like be impressed, buddy, pull this idea out. Make your own beignets with uh, with biscuit dough, yeah. pre-made biscuit dough. You, there's absolutely no prep except for getting the oil hot, and then make, you know getting a bowl with a mixture of the uh, the powdered sugar and the cinnamon in it, so you can just toss it in that. And people will clean you out, man. Those things <laughs> are unbelievable. Uh, another one I like is taking um, taking like a Hawaiian roll. And uh, making French toast with it. Ooh, okay. The bigger the wine roll, if you've got access to Hawaiian bread, it's got really pillowy. Um, like, is that the King texture. Hawaiian? Like, like the King Hawaiian yes. type bread? Yeah. It's sweet bread. Yeah, it's, it's nice. It's very light and airy. It really takes to the egg custard mix really well. Yeah. And um, it's lovely. It's a lovely thing. And then, of course, you cover that with powdered sugar and cinnamon mm-hmm. and uh, syrup and butter. So, I mean, really, it could be a shoe, and it would be pretty good, but it's even better. That sounds excellent. And, you know, speaking of, well, you know, the Hawaii, the Hawaiian islands of the Atlantic, the Azores, um, you know, another little hack for some sweet and savory together, you get that kind of that Portuguese bread that's also a little sweet, and you yes. have some linguiça with it. You grill the linguiça, which is a great Portuguese sausage, um, you know, that on a summer day off the grill, good God, y'all, that's good stuff right there. A little sweet and savory for you. Um, that's fantastic. Yeah. And I don't, you know, as everybody Linguista knows. Linguista is one of my favorite yes. sausages made. Yes. And the, there's, there's one, uh, soup in particular with linguisa, potatoes and kale mm. that, um, is something that like at least once a year, I am like, I have to eat this within the next couple of days and I go find, thankfully I've got a market that makes a respectable sausage around here yeah for and, sure uh, they sell linguisa but um, I agree wholeheartedly on um, anything from the Azores yeah the Azores are no joke I suggest anybody's got the ability to get there obviously again rot rot right now uh, worth the worth the trip. Been there. Went there for my fortieth birthday. It's pretty sweet. It's a great. I mean, it's great. It's like Hawaii in the Atlantic Ocean in terms of it's a volcanic island chain. Really cool ecological stuff. Um, it's three different seasons a day. You know, any day of the year. It could be any kind of weather. Hot springs and just yeah, great nice people and nice food. And I can't wait to try to go back one day if I am allowed to. Uh, all right, JJ, I'm gonna try to keep stumping you with some stuff, but I do think we should do a whole. Linguisa confidential at some point. Just put that in the file cabinet for however long this quarantine goes for. Um, have you ever made jerky, any kind of beef or turkey jerky? Because, you know, again, it's fun to go buy it, but it's even more fun to kind of learn how to maybe make something like that. Because, uh, you know, again, we got nothing but time on our hands. And uh, I'm starting to kind of get interested in 
how to make some of the snacks I enjoy, like a turkey jerky or something. You got anything there? And I know I'm peppering you with unplanned questions here. I've had quite a bit of homemade jerky uh, made by people that are, you know, they're not like gourmet gourmands. And it's fantastic. It's way better than anything you're going to buy in a store. Okay. There's a million resources out there. You can make it in your oven. Mm. Um, You might need or do better with a couple specialized um, pieces of equipment so it can actually dehydrate without being flipped. Like um, there's restaurant grade sheet pans, which if I were to have to put together a, a kitchen kit for the rest of my life, those would be in them. They're, they're, there's like half quarter, three quarter and full sheet pans. They're just massive double insulated sheet pans with rims and they're, they're super versatile. Got it. Um, they're standardized sizes uh, if I were you, I'd get I'd get a couple of those anyway. But you get a couple of those, and then you get the um, the racks that fit directly in them. Okay. And then that way you can do some dehydrating in your oven. Uh, it's also great for baking things like wings and stuff because it's not yes. sitting in. Um, you're basically air frying. To borrow from a um, a very fancy new thing, I bet you your fancy uh, toaster oven may even have some. Uh, uh, jerky hacks, honestly. Oh. Uh, but uh, my friend's dad uh, makes jerky every year for Christmas. Uh, makes little bags and gives it out. Yes. Um, I ran into him. He wouldn't give me any um, any information on it. So I ran into his dad at a at an art gallery opening and very casually tried to you know social engineer my way towards the recipe until Paul caught me. Oh no! And um, blew up my spot. Uh, but it, I could tell it had a lot of soy sauce in it. It had a little bit of chili powder in it, uh, like our uh, chili flake in it. And um, is lovely. It holds up forever. And uh, he said it's it's really embarrassingly easy. Huh. Um, the longer this goes on, you're right. I mean, I've, I've made jam. I just made dashi yesterday, which is a Japanese broth. Oh, I yeah, remember, I saw that. It was like a know, lot of mushrooms involved. Were there mushrooms involved with that? And some, some uh, what, what was in that? I saw it on Instagram. Yeah, it was, um, you know, when I when you make mushrooms, you take the stems and throw them away, right? Sure. Or you actually throw them in your freezer to use them later. Um, and uh, my friend Dan's got a thing he calls it, it's like veggie scrap soup or something. Like every time he, he chops a veggie, he throws like the end or the cap or the, the tip into the same freezer bag. Just And lets it fill up and then he uses it later for stock. Got it. Um, this is kind of that same idea, but I took a couple, um, a couple packets of uh, mushroom stems that I had set aside, okay. and I took about an inch of uh, ginger, which I peeled and sliced thin, some garlic, three or four cloves of garlic. I put a quarter onion in there, and um, uh, that might have been it at first, and then I boiled it, I simmered it for about a half an hour. And then you you strain out the solids. You take some miso paste, or you don't. At this point, you know you're, this is a this is a dish that was invented by people that were living in poverty. So everything is just a bonus at this point. Yeah. Um, you strain out you strain out the solids. You squeeze them out. Get all that extra juice out of them. You throw in. Um, I took a little bit of miso, like a tablespoon of miso, and I. I tempered it with some hot broth and then stirred it up and then I poured it back in so it didn't get all clumpy in the big the big broth and um, put soy sauce into it until I was happy with the, the umptuous of it 
smoothness of it. And then I, I dipped noodles in it and I blanched asparagus and I took mushrooms, uh, shiitake mushrooms that I cooked in a cast iron skillet and layered it all up really beautifully. And um, it was an incredible meal. They had um, all the flavor and the, the, the umami flavor that you get from meat that makes, we're biologically programmed to really love umami flavors because it helps you survive to eat meat. It helps you to spend more time, you know, in the jungle, so to speak, more time learning skills and expanding your survival skills if it doesn't take you as long to eat. Right. So if you if you out in the vet, in the gar, you know in the garden and you want to eat from the garden all day, it's fine. But it takes more chewing, more finding, more looking to get you know per calorie. So we are geared towards that umami flavor, and I packed a ton of it in there, and it was so satisfying and such a clean flavor, and it um, it didn't have one drop of meat in it between the soy sauce, the miso, the mushrooms. The roasting, the garlic. I mean, wow, what a nice, yeah, that what a sounds nice dish. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, let's switch gears. What are you do? What are you doing for snacking? Like, like, is anything lying around the house that you just go to to snack? I have two primary snacks, two and a half. Okay. One I'm, is real quick. My buddy Joel invented this like decades ago when we were roommates. You cut an avocado in half, you knock out the pit, you fill the hole with hot sauce, and you eat it with chips. Yep, that's a good one. Boom, done. Amazing snack, never goes wrong. Everybody loves it because you use your favorite hot sauce. Always make sure to throw a pinch of salt on your avocado. Yeah. Um, the big one that we do <laughs> is um, is popcorn, stovetop popcorn. Oh, yeah, sure. You take your standard um, large saucepan, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the handle on it, not the two-handle side ones, not that big, but the um, smaller one. <clears throat> Put some oil in it. I, I don't measure it. I'd say maybe a tablespoon or two. Uh, recipes would call for a quarter cup of uh, an oil. Mm-hmm. That is great, delicious, but not the kind of thing you want to do every night. Um, you throw a couple popcorn kernels into that oil and turn it on medium-high, cover it, and then you pour a quarter cup per person into the um oil when the those two test kernels pop then you know it's hot enough you throw in your um your unpopped kernels cover it again shake it up and you continue to shake it every you know 10 or 15 seconds until it starts popping like crazy you pop until the kernels are popping you know five seconds go by between pops take it off pour it in bowls splash a little olive oil or melted butter and salt on it and um, call it a day. Damn, dude. I also make a kettle corn. I recently started doing this where when you pour in the uh, kernels, you pour in some white sugar as well. And so the sugar pops and covers the popcorn in this kind of slightly caramelized um, fashion like kettle corn. And you also salt it so you do that sweet salty dance. The recipe I followed the first time went quarter cup of oil, quarter cup of um, sugar, half cup of popping kernels. Um, I feathered that down to just like maybe like a tablespoon of sugar and less oil. Um, and it is like some of the best popcorn you're ever going to eat. Popcorn, man. Tell you what. And it's always good. It's always good. I mean, you can do anything with popcorn. People throw M&Ms in there. People throw Almonds with it make it extra crunchy. I mean, 
you can pretty much do anything you want with popcorn and not go wrong, besides maybe dump water on it. And also nachos. Okay. Yeah. And you can take that, you can go as highbrow or lowbrow as you want. You can take some chips and put them on a plate and take pre shredded cheese and put it on there and put it in the microwave for 45 seconds. Yeah. And you've got hotel room nachos <laughs> and they're incredible. Um, or you, you know, go with the full sheet pan in the oven, you grate the cheese yourself, you put little knobs of peppers and jalapenos, maybe you brown some meat. But this isn't late-night stoner food. This is like, just melt some cheese on it, put some some hot sauce, and love what you're eating. I mean, it's not that complicated. It's late, you want a little bite of something, you want a snack, you can't run to 7-Eleven. Nope. So always make sure you got some corn chips and some cheddar cheese on hand. And you always got hot sauce. Always you got hot better. sauce. The best My part about hot sauce is, is forever. I was say the shelf life on hot sauce is what three years. I mean, I've got it, a half a liter of Tapatio that I bought ten years ago that now has about an inch left in it, and it's still maybe even better than the day I bought well, it. Well, because it's aged. <laughs> it's it's vinegar and you know. Chili peppers. Yeah, vinegar can't really and get worse. Salt. I mean, that's pretty much it. Nothing can grow in it. Yeah, think about it. Like, what's a, what are what are preservatives? Salt. You know, like chili peppers are, are you know they do their own thing, and then salt, vinegar. sugar, vinegar. You know. Yeah, it's basically anything. you're 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 eating you know you're you're using a a preservative, a preserving potion that happens to be hot and add flavor, and then the shelf life is for again it's like it's like an atom. The half life is huge. About five years ago, I put it in the fridge. Because I figure, I don't know, maybe this should be in the fridge. Keep it fresh, yeah. And, I mean, it's still in there, and I use it all the time. Mm-hmm. I've recently bought the, you know, the like four ounce, 89 cent version of Tapatio. Because yep. I'm like, eventually I'm going to run out of this. I may as well have one going. And that one is going to sit on the counter. That thing is not going anywhere. Yeah, it's like a little showpiece. I like it. Hey, speaking of the hot sauce stuff, just to get off track for a second... Have you caught any of the show, um, Hot Ones, the chicken wing any show with celebrities? Sounds like a pretty good idea. Yeah, you, you got to watch it. It's on, it's on YouTube. Uh, it's, it's great. And they, they, they have this, the rating system, which is the Scoville system, which is how hot it yeah. is. And, you know, the, the wings get progressively hotter. It's a really great way to lower the inhibitions of the celebrity guests who are eating the wings and... It's a great show. It's a great concept. I was wondering if you'd seen it or not. But anyway, uh, yeah, hot sauce is king, man. People love hot sauce. And it's great on nachos. It's great on pizza. It's great on popcorn. It's pretty much great on everything. So, you know, I'm a full subscriber. Here's a nacho tip that I learned um, a long time ago um, at our favorite restaurant, Cactus Pete Cactus Steakhouse Pete's, Saloon yeah. in Worcester, Massachusetts. They always had the best nachos ever. They did. Among other things that they had oddly delicious and incredible um, basic uh, bar food and uh, the reason why is when you ordered uh, nachos they made it in two pans yes so the cheese was layered halfway up there yep. was a whole new ball game it wasn't just dry chips no nope. i remember making a them. bunch of cheese melted on top of it i personally made hundreds of those so if you are making nachos at home for more than two people yep make it in two smaller pans yep and then layer them yep. so that you don't make the common mistake that restaurants and pubs and bars all over the world make 
by giving you this like mass of melted, half melted, quickly cooling cheese on top of forty seven dry, yeah, you know, 100%. quickly cooling tortilla chips. Yeah, that's not the move. The move is to kind of intersperse the cheese with the hips. And actually, going back to our Triscuit hack from earlier, if you're out of corn chips, oh. I got it for you. You you put take your plate, you put six to twelve Triscuits. You make them into one giant Triscuit. You put any kind of cheese on them you want. I tend to go cheese first, then hot sauce. Sometimes you can go hot sauce and then the cheese because the cheese melts anyway. You want to go a little chicken, a little turkey, a little oregano, whatever the hell you want. But you can make nachos out of Triscuits. As I said a week ago, and as my dad validated when he listened to the show, Triscuits are a vessel for whatever you actually want to eat. So if you're out of whatever you actually want to eat, the Triscuits are a great stand-in. They're sturdy. They're hearty, they're salty, and they're friggin' bland enough to do whatever you want to them, including make great nachos. There you go. If Triscuit isn't your first real sponsor, um, we're doing something wrong. I know, right? Might be time to reach out. I'll tell you what. You just hit 100,000 listens. We are, in, And the best part is, is we're over 103,000 now. And I, I only bring that up because I, I told Andrew Patterson the other day, it took us almost five years to get to 40,000. And then in three months, we hit 60, we're at 63,000 after listing on Deezer. Au revoir to our friends in France. Merci beaucoup, as always. Well, I'm just glad that we buried the lead and we, um, we made our 420 episode of um, Kitchen Quarantine here for all the... Uh, we're just a little late on it. Yeah, it's 424, but guess what? Everybody is stuck at home. So well, we came up with the idea, maybe I did, um, on the day of. So, you know, it's, it's forethought is not the uh, marijuana smoker's uh, most famous quality. Correct. But the execution, the genius, the ingenuity, that is maybe what you're talking about, you know? If you got the munchies, I'm a good guy to hang out with. Always have been, probably always will be, you know what I mean? And I'm in Massachusetts, so, you know, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, but, okay, JJ, any other hacks and or snacks or snack hacks that you want to get out today on episode five before we wrap things up? No, I think we're good. Um, yeah, dude. I want to point out one thing. You correctly called the judging chicanery and hijinks going on on the filibuster freestyles 30-day song challenge. Uh, we do not have our scores tonight, but I am down to... I should be up to. And here's the thing, though. The best part is, if and when I lose, as long as there are seven days left in the month, and there probably will be because Cindy's smoking me right now, um, we're going to do a best of seven with at least three judges, maybe five judges, if you're willing to be a judge. We're going to do this thing right to end it, playoff style. So thank you for giving us that idea and calling out the iniquities going on with having a... Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's so blatant, and, um, you know, in the interest of fairness, I had to speak up. Thank you, Jeremy. Especially because of all my friends, and again, I get it, people like Cindy better, and they should. She's a better person. But of all my friends who are openly rooting for Cindy, I at least appreciate that the Kitchen Confidential guy, Kitchen Quarantine guy, the man cook good, the West Coast, the West Coast Toastmaster can stand up for what's right and fair and give me a fair shake in this thing. Yeah, I'm shaking my fist real hard at the sun over there. Pound the damn table, Derek. Pound the table. 
Because I'll tell you what, one last thing for everybody listening, because I know you got nowhere to go. Episode 299, it's called The Mystery Topic from Jeremy in the Car, back when Jeremy commuted to work and back when I lived in North Carolina. A lot has changed since then. That episode continues to be a top five episode every week. I've never marketed it. It just gained steam on its own. A lot of interesting theories in that. A lot of interesting theories. Episode 299. Give her a listen. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And it's only gotten weirder since then, JJ. All right, man. Thank you for coming on. Part 5, Kitchen Quarantine. By the way, we've got a special section on filibusterfreestyle.com homepage. Kitchen Quarantine Podcast. You can find every single one of these bad boys in the same section or go to your favorite podcast hosting place, Spotify, Deezer, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, lists go on, or go to Jeremy's at Man Cook Good on Instagram, the bio, the link. It's usually there after I put the show up. He puts it up on his own thing anyway for all his fans. Appreciate everybody listening. JJ, thanks for being on tonight, man. We appreciate it. Thank you, and I know I ran through about a dozen things, and maybe somebody listening heard something that they... They thought sounded good and they might want to try, but they didn't catch all the details. Yep. Just send me a message on Instagram about anything, really, but specifically about um, snacks and uh, from this thing or any any of these podcasts, and I'd be happy to go through it with you and tell you everything I know and um, celebrate your achievement when you finish it. Absolutely. Well said. And actually, next week, I think we should go back to your mailbag for Kitchen Quarantine Part 6 and get some more uh, fan interaction, which I really enjoy. That's great. Beautiful. All right, everybody, have a good night. Cindy's asleep, so bye.